I'm Marissa Norcross. And I'm Dave Freund, and this is The Next Page. Marissa, how are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm terrific. I know you're terrific because you have a a boat engine update. Oh, I do. So we're (laughs) going to start with that. Yes. So uh, for our listeners, last evening I sent Marissa a video of the engine in my beloved boat running so sweetly. And as Mm -hmm. you messaged me, it was music to my ears. Mm Mm-hmm. I think we've been talking so, about this for two years now. Two years. <laughs> two years. <laughs> so here's the final update, folks. <laughs> Hopefully the final update. So no, um, sea trials are later today. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, everything had some folks step up, really stepped up to help us out. Um, and it is just wonderful, which is great because mm-hmm. it is the boat's 50th birthday. Oh, wow. This year. So she turned 50 this year. So. Why not give her a new heart when she turns 50, right? <laughs> so it's not a new one. It's a rebuilt because it is the original engine just mm-hmm. rebuilt. But yeah, so I am. I'm, but I thought I was just going to be terrific because I'm looking at blue skies again. Mm-hmm. Our San Diego weather just continues. I know. It's so, so beautiful. Which is fitting because the title of today's podcast are, is Summertime Lessons. Ooh. Mm-hmm. So. Without wasting anybody's time, because it's summer and people want to get outside. They don't want to just be listening. Of course, they might be listening outside. They might be on the lawn tractor or sitting by a pool somewhere listening to this. But so really, I you know, a summertime in Central New York. We've been talking about it. It is just amazing. Now we've had a spectacular summer, but even when we don't have a spectacular summer, it is really nice in Central New York. You know, people in other places. I think last week I mentioned you know my brother living down in in the Boca area. It's just hot and humid and miserable. Or you could go to Arizona where you could, you know, fry an egg on your sidewalk type of thing. Mm -hmm. But here, even in Ohio where my daughter lives and and my cousins live, um, you know, it's humid. It's just oppressive. But here, it's just delightful. The grass is just this beautiful green. The lakes, I think I, I wrote something like the lakes. The lakes are just magnificent in central New York. So summertime is special. And in summertime... I also just, I don't read as much heavy stuff. So I'm actually right now going through um, a book about Joe, the Joe Torre and, and Tom Ferducci wrote called The Yankee Years. Because I'm a huge Yankee fan and I just loved it. And, I, and the other part about summer, this year took us a little bit longer to get going, is the boys of summer play their game on those diamonds that are manicured. And those, there's nothing, I just love looking at, baseball fields that are just perfectly manicured the white chalk on the edges of the diamond and the baselines it's just it's magnificent i i remember when unfortunately we aren't able to go this year um to our the stadium here alliance bank stadium um but when they went to grass natural grass after being turf for so many years it's just beautiful i know that sounds crazy but to me that is a beautiful thing there are times when i will actually mow my lawn in a diagonal pattern. <laughs> After I mow it the regular way, I'll mow it in a diagonal pattern just so it just like just a little bit like a baseball. Game. That's so funny. Okay. Now, you know, people would think, wow, Dave must be really athletic. No, I'm not. The only thing in terms of athlete, athletics that I've ever been able to do is snow ski and slalom water ski. So other than that, I can't do a blessed thing. But I do love the game. And so I loved reading this book. And as I was reading this book, 
and people know what I'm going to say, I got leadership lessons out of it. Mm-hmm. And the first lesson that I got is this. If you want commitment, you need to start with trust. And as I was, because I was, it's an audio book, so I was listening, it's like, boom, that's a huge one. Like, wow, how, how, it's so simple and it's so profound. So let me just to help our listeners that aren't into baseball, which I guess you have confessed that you're not a baseball <laughs> aficionado, so, which is fine. Um, when the Yankees hired Joe Torre, and, and I don't know, I think, I think George Steinbrenner, who's the, the owner of the Yankees, he might have had 23 managers in like 28 years or something, or it might have been 28 and 23. I mean, he fired managers. Billy Martin got fired three times. He got fired, rehired, fired, rehired. It was just, it was amazing. But when they hired Joe Torre, I literally complained to my sons and said, Joe, who? <laughs> he was a losing manager. He had been fired by the Mets, by the Cardinals by the Atlanta Braves. Like, what are they thinking? So they hire this guy, Joe, who I know, and again, I'm not, I'm a Yankee fan more than I am a baseball fan. I think I've become more of a baseball fan lately, but back then it was just, I was a Yankee fan. I grew up a Yankee fan. So they hire this guy that I barely know. I mean, I knew I had heard of him. I think he was a catcher before he became a manager. Um, but he now has to find a way to lead a group of superstars, role players, coaches, and be able to lead up and manage the most outspoken, tyrannical owner in, I, I might say, baseball history. Wow. We learned about the good things about George Steinbrenner only after he died. So, so how's this guy going to do it? And what, he, and what Joe Torre realized was, I have to start with trust. I have to trust them. I have to build this trusting relationship. And when I do, I will get commitment from them. And that is exactly what he did. And, and if we think about it, um, I think in the first six or seven years, I don't have, I don't have all the details, but we'll, we'll, I do have something. I put it in my notes here, so I should probably just read it, right? <laughs> um, the result of his trusting his players and building a trusting relationship with them was this. In 12 years as a Yankee manager, 1,173 wins, six pennants. So a pennant is when you win your league championship. So there's an American League and a National League. So the pennants are winning your league. And four World Series titles. Also, he was manager of the year in the American League twice. That's incredible. I mean, just making it to six World Series in 12 years is incredible. So, how did he do it? Trust. And when we think about it within, with our, with our um, organizations, trust has to be the foundation. Now, I know I did talk about trust way back in um, January when, the, when we looked outside and it was snowing and not beautiful, sunny weather. I, I still think we need to talk about it again. And I made a few notes and I shared my notes with you. So feel free to just like pull things out as, as I go through this. One is keep your word and follow through on your actions. That's the first foundation of trust. Do we say what we're going to do and do what we say what we were going to do type of thing? Um, just be honest and follow through on, on your actions. 
learn how to communicate effectively. And that's what Joe Torre did. And so what in his communication, he communicated differently with different people. And what I loved about the book is I'm learning, because these, these were really great years. Um, my boys were starting to become baseball fans. So we would talk about baseball a lot back then. In fact, we still do. Um, but it was interesting how George Torrey would, he would identify the characteristics of each ball player. Not, you know, were they good at their playing their position, but what were they like as a person? And, and what were the, the struggles that they would have emotionally, mentally? What were they thinking about when they went to the plate to, to, to take it at bat or go to the pitcher's mound to start pitching? He understood them. He studied his team. He and, you know, a lot of our listeners will hear me say this a lot. He, he learned their giftedness. And then he developed their giftedness. And he didn't try to make them do something they weren't. He, you know, that wasn't where their giftedness was. Um, he realized that it would take time to build and earn trust. It wasn't going to happen overnight. And I think, I think especially Joe Torrey's trusting relationship with, with uh George Steinbrenner, the owner, that probably took years to build. And then in the book, he also talks about um, losing trust. And this wasn't necessarily a losing of trust that he had, but the losing of trust when, when Alex Rodriguez, who had come over from the Texas Rangers, Alex Rodriguez and Derek Jeter, who was the shortstop for the Yankees, were really good friends until they became teammates. And something occurred just before the Yankees traded for Rodriguez was that Rodriguez basically betrayed, he spoke ill of Jeter in, in a media interview. And when you lose that trust, sometimes you can't get it back. And he talked about in the book about how hard it was for Derek to kind of be the captain of the Yankees, knowing that there's this guy that really betrayed him mm -hmm. on the team. Um, uh, Take time when making decisions and think them through before acting too quickly. That's huge. You don't make decisions quickly. And it's interesting in the book how you can hear Torre talk about how he would make a decision. Some had to be made quickly if it's in the middle of a game. But, like, you know, who's going to start as a pitcher for what game? Who's going to start at what position in the field? It was just every decision was very calculated. And then five. Value those relationships you have and don't take them for granted. And as I, as I saw that note, I, I thought about our emotional intelligence class that, that we teach at Mac. And so quickly, I, I grabbed, before we started recording, I grabbed my, my lesson book from that. And, and one of the exercises we use in that is we, you kind of take a sheet of paper and you put yourself in the center of the paper. Not because you're the most important, but because it's like the center axis of this this wheel that we're going to develop. And then around you, you identify all the people that you interact with. And I typically say start doing it with a work setting. So it, for, it, for me at MACNY, it, you know, you would be one of those people. Um, maybe Randy as our boss would be one of those people. Cindy Nave, the COO, would be one of those people. Mary Rowland, our CFO, would be another one of those people. And so as I kind of look at all of these, these relationships around me, then I need to ask myself these three questions. What's required of us? So for you and me, what's required of our relationship in terms of work? And then what I have to ask myself is, what are your needs? And lastly, what are my needs? 
And if we start looking at relationships in those three areas, what's required, what are the other person's needs, and what are our, my needs, I now start to value that relationship. So the key there is I know what my needs are and I know what's required of us, but do we take the time to really understand someone else's needs? So the question that maybe you and I can talk on for a little bit here is, you know, what's the best way for us to know somebody else's needs? What are your thoughts? As one of these questions I didn't tell you I was going to ask. <laughs> uh, you know, I think it starts with a conversation, but I think mm -hmm. there are probably some, um, you know, nonverbal cues that you might pick up in that mm. conversation that also can say something. Um, okay, good. Yeah. And I think it might be something that, develops over time too it's not like you yes. can sit down and be like all right like we got to work together so uh tell me you know what are your needs um it, you know it's a little more uh, involved than that it seems because mm -hmm. really what you're doing and i'm sure i'm sure this is part of the book you're reading is you know it's not so much just changing a relationship or forming a new relationship um with you know a, a group of team members or whatever, but it's really like a, an entire shift in culture. Um, yes. Which I'm sure is exactly, you know, what, what the team would have said about when, you know, Joe came on board, right? Right, right. Absolutely. And I love that, that shift in culture. And, and, and it's interesting. Um, Joe's last years as a, as a manager of the Yankees, were not nearly as good as his first years. His 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 all of his big wins mm -hmm. happened early on in in the first say 6 years of 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 managing the Yankees. And what happened was this. Um they had a core group of people that were young players that had just arrived when Joe Torre took over. You know, the core group of people would have been people like Andy Pettit, mm -hmm. Derek Jeter, Mariano Rivera, Jorge Posada, um, you know, and, and, and then you, those were, I think they called them like the core four or something like that. Yeah. And then there were other players like Bernie Williams that, that were just, um, they were part of this, this, this same team, Paul O'Neill um, playing in, in right field Another these were players that just they understood that it was not about them as an individual. It was all about the team. And, and so Joe Torre, because of this, this trusting them and, and really getting to know them, I, you know, while he dealt with them as individuals, he instilled in them the value, the culture of team. And the problem that the team had was as they, and I'm, I'm kind of getting to this part in the book right now, but I, but I know the history of, so it's interesting, like when you know the end of the story, it's interesting to find out what was happening behind the scenes to bring about the end of that story. Mm -hmm. So what happened was as some of these players aged, the ownership of the Yankees kept trying to get big name people that maybe had a, could fill seats but didn't share the team. That was the problem when the Yankees brought in Alex Rodriguez. Alex Rodriguez is probably one of the best baseball players that ever played the game, but it was about him. It was, how did he look? 
What were his numbers like? Not did he make the team better. And that culture started to get lost. And there were certain things that Joe wasn't able to do because he doesn't, he doesn't have the final say in who they bring to his team. He has to take the team that they give him and make a place of that culture was huge. That was, a, that was a great point. He built the culture but then had trouble maintaining it because he didn't have the authority to do that. Um, I think... I think the other thing in building trust is responding to to other people's needs. Right. And I so think that goes not in, just like acknowledging them, kind of what we were just right. talking about before I took us on that tangent, but then, yeah. you know, re- so you can acknowledge them and think about them in the circles, but then responding to them is really exactly key. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. And thank you for bringing me back around because I got off on my tangent there. You know, I'm going down my rabbit hole and I'm like, wait, I, came uh, I back sent you there. Said, I sent you there. I said, how did I get there? <laughs> Something's wrong. How did I get here? Yeah. But so, and, and I think that, so if I value the people that I interact with, if I value the relationship, not just about what I get from it, but I value the person then I begin to say, like, and, and, and this, this hit me once, and I might have shared this on one of our podcasts, but I was at a training in, in West Palm once and with John Maxwell organization. This was a small group. There might have been 25 of us in a room. Um, and and the, the, the instructor asked us to identify two people that we know the best in our work, our work environment. And... And I, had, and I had put your name down, and I think at that point I might have put Cindy's name down, Cindy Name's name down. And then, the, and then he asked us this question, what are their hopes and dreams? Like, ooh. <laughs> so, I mean, I could talk about spouses' names, kids' names, likes, dislikes, but dreams... And that's and then and one that the instructor said was when you can't tell me their dreams, you don't really know them. Wow. So that was that, and I think that gets into this my needs, her needs, what's required thing. Mm-hmm. You know, what are their dreams? What are they? What do they look forward to in life? What sparks joy in their life? And when we know that about the people around us. And we help to fulfill that for them or help them achieve it. That is a tremendous trust builder. And when we have trust, we have commitment. And I think, I think you and I might have talked about it when we did our third year anniversary of the podcast. Mm-hmm. Where I think we talked about the commitment that we have to each other and to our listeners. Right. You know, there are days when I don't feel like writing a post. There are days when I don't, I don't usually have a problem recording our podcast because I just figure, okay, Marissa's there. She'll help me get through this. But the writing of it is just like, ah, oh, it's some days it just flows. Other days it's brutal. Um, but I do it because of a commitment, you know, and I make sure I try to get it to you early enough in the week because I'm commit. It's a commitment to you to not let you down. Why should I give you something on the morning that we're supposed to record it to in the afternoon type of thing? So that's the power of this commitment thing. 
And I think it all starts with you. Yeah. Anything you think we missed? I think. Because I, th- I did way too much talking today. So I don't want to go down too many rabbit holes because I know we did do an episode in January about trust and, you know, what happens when the trust isn't there and, and things like that. So, um, you know, people can go back and listen to that if they want a refresher on the trust portion. But thinking about commitment, I mean, this is true, not just in a work environment. You think about like how friendships develop. Yes. Um, this or how relationships develop. You know, think yes. about how you met your spouse or yes. things like that. It's like, um, and I, I think a lot of it happens organically um, mm-hmm. with friendships and relationships outside of work. But sometimes with work, it's like you can't really choose who you're working with, and right. um, you know, you don't have to be friends, but you do have to work together, and you do have to have that that trust and commitment will certainly make things a lot easier um and you know i think there's there are a lot of ways to to build that trust um and it just will it'll depend on the two people or multiple people involved Uh, there's not really like a one size fits all approach but i think if we if you can start with that um, what are, you know, what's required and what are, what are each party's needs? That's a really great place to start and to, yeah. um, just to communicate and continue to communicate and admit when you're wrong and, right. um, apologize when, you know, when you need to apologize. And, you know, even if you're not getting that from the other person, right? Like if, if you're like, well, why yes. should I, why should I admit I was wrong? Like David can't admit when he's wrong. Um, Thinking about it from a culture standpoint and developing that culture, like if you right. if you do it and you show that vulnerability, it might take some time, but you can get that back in return. Exactly. Oh, that that's beautiful. That that's awesome. And you know, it's interesting. It's like a story I heard one time about somebody treated somebody nicely, and their son said, you know, and I probably mentioned it on the podcast, and the son said, "Why would you be to like treat him like that, knowing how he treats you?" And he said. How he treats me doesn't determine how I treat him. I mm-hmm. do. You know, and yeah. and so, yeah, just regardless of what the other person does, you hey, we're all supposed to be mature adults that value other people. Mm-hmm. While you were sharing that, I also thought of something else. So if we really want to connect with people and, and, and build on a trusting relationship and get the commitment, one of the things we need to do is is be excited about the things that excite them. And what I mean by that is if somebody, if I have a relationship with a person and I know something is really valuable to them or if they really, really enjoy something and they want to share it with me, I should be excited for them and and show excitement with them. And, you know, um, one of the examples that I'll just give, and I hope it doesn't embarrass you, but last night I sent you a video of the the engine running Mm -hmm. and you you replied back with like this this excitement and that's what i'm talking about if there's something that you're doing and i or some something someone is doing and you know that this is exciting for them and they share that with you just a quick little message of excitement wow that's great you know and 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 i remember how how you worded it it was and it was it was very it 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 really it spoke to me like I wanted to share it with you because we'd had so many conversations, typically on our podcast, <laughs> about the boat. But you just reacted in a way affirming the fact that, yeah, I, I appreciate the fact that this is exciting for you. Mm-hmm. 
And there are things that, let's say, my wife might be excited about that might not excite me. But because she's excited about it, I should be excited about it. Things my coworkers are doing. Because if they're excited about it, I just a, a message, a, hey, that looks great. Wow, I'm so happy you could do that. Goes a long way to building that relationship of trust and commitment. Mm-hmm. So thank yeah. you for sending me a reply message last night. I, I mean, I am legitimately excited for you. I, I think I know how important it is for you and how hard you've worked on this. It's been like a two-year journey yep. for the boat. And, you know, I I think it, that kind of stuff does go a long way. Like even I'm thinking back to just a meeting that we were in the other day. I think you were there. And I, you know, I kind of, the group was hemming and hawing on something. We, you know, we weren't sure um, uh, you know, what we were going to title something or what, what exactly it was going to look like. And I said, you know, is everyone just okay with me kind of like running with this and I'll put some thought into it and we'll just go with it. And I can't remember who it was in the meeting and someone said like, yeah, I, I, I completely trust you. I know that you'll, yep. like, you'll do something yep. great. I'm like, fantastic. Right. Like that was kind of like all we needed to move forward. So instead of continuing exactly. to sit there and say like, should we do this? Should we do that? Like, well, it could be this, it could, you know, and, and kind of like wasting time um, on something that we don't have a lot of time on. It was like, yeah, like we trust you. Just, we trust you. Just go with it. So to use a baseball analogy, we just gave you the ball and said, go out and pitch mm-hmm. and we trust you. Yep. That's, that's a great example. So do you want to know what we're talking about next week? Yes, of course. We are continuing in my summertime lesson series, even though I probably should have started this earlier in the summer. But anyways, warm breezes. Oh, that sounds so great. Oh. <laughs> we'll have to revisit that one come January. <laughs> <laughs> Frigid temperature. No. Yeah. Bitter cold wind. No, Bitter but cold. yeah, next, next week, folks, warm breezes. Anything exciting happening? Um, no, not really. We had an exciting weekend last weekend. Um, and so I think this weekend we're going to stick around home. We've been getting the girls out hiking. And I use that word lightly because we're not like climbing major mountains here. But we've been like hiking in some of the local nature preserves and awesome. parks. And, they, and they're and they loving it. Even the two-year-old, she, she climbs like a really tiny hill and she feels so much pride. And I love seeing them out in nature, engaging with the outdoors. So We'll probably do a little Super. bit of that. Yeah. How about you? Well, God willing, I'm going for a boat ride. Yeah. <laughs> so that's my, and, and my wife and I actually, we have an anniversary this weekend. So mm-hmm. it's going to, and my daughter is here with her kids. Son-in-law couldn't come, but they're here. So we're just going to have a wonderful family weekend. Yeah. So I hope you guys have a great anniversary weekend. And it sounds like you have Thank some you. fun things planned and it's always nice to have everyone together to celebrate those Absolutely. times. And at some point, I need to get you and Derek and the girls in a boat ride. So we'll yes. have to work on that sometime. <laughs> that would be awesome. <laughs> so with that, I'm Dave Freund. I'm Marissa Norcross. And this was The Next Page.